church revitalization is a hot topic these days. I keep hearing a lot about it from uh, various sources. And I'm excited for the Shepherdology listeners to hear from uh, my friend, Pastor Ben Ice. Ben is the lead pastor at Lighthouse Bible Church in Simi Valley, California. I've known Ben for a lot of years, first as a college student in Wisconsin, where he served in our church there. And then he was our family life pastor uh, in South Carolina. And just a few years ago, Ben became the lead pastor at Lighthouse Bible. And my wife, Faith, and I were just there recently, and we're just so blessed to see the good things that God is doing. And I thought it would be encouraging for uh, those who listen to Shepherdology. So welcome, Ben. Uh, just tell us a little bit to get us started about uh, yourself, your ministry, and the church there. Thank you so much, Pastor Dean, for having me on. And uh, I'm so thankful that I can uh, talk about this today. And uh, the Lord has uh, blessed us. I have a wife, Dana, and five children. Uh, the oldest is 16. The youngest is seven. And again, I became the pastor out here in 2018. And uh, so it's been uh, an interesting journey, but it's been a blessing. And it's a, I came out with the understanding that this was a church revitalization. And, uh, and so we've seen God work and bless. And of course, like you said, I was uh, under your ministry for many years and Simpsonville, South Carolina, and God taught me so many things there and gave me so many opportunities to be able to prepare really even for what I'm doing here today. And so I'm thankful for that. And I uh, grew up in Indiana. My dad was a pastor in Indiana, an assistant pastor and administrator of a Christian school. And so uh, I have a number of siblings who are in ministry as well. So kind of runs in our blood and, uh, and, and God really even used a lot of that. My past, the church I was at in South Carolina, even at Brookside and Wisconsin, when I was um, under you there in college, um, to prepare me for this, and we're we're really having a lot of fun here at this church. Awesome, sounds good. Well, I want um, listeners to hear what revitalization looks like for you. So, uh, it's not going to be the same everywhere. There are different elements, different issues, different problems. But what were some of the major concerns there when you started? Well, this church was started back in 1980 by a guy named Roger Willis, and uh, he's still an elder at the church here. So that was, that's quite a while ago. So he, I'm only the second pastor at this church. So that's, it's very unique. Um, not too many churches have two pastors in over, you know, in a period of 40 years. So, um, and so when I came, as you can imagine, you know, there were a lot of older people here and Many people left the church over the past 10 years because a lot of people are moving out of California. And so because you can get cheaper uh, housing in, you know, Texas and Tennessee and Idaho, wherever else, um, that was definitely a significant thing. So, so when I came into the church here, um, this church uh, was just declining financially. Um, I candidated in the summer of 2018 met with the elders and they, they just laid out like, here's, here's what's happening in the church and here's the future. And basically we were financially declining very rapidly. Um, by the end of that year, we were not going to meet budget. Um, and, and then they actually said in the next two years that after two years, we might not even be able to survive. And part of that really was because even when I candidated, I'd have people that would greet me and they would say, Oh, I'm so glad you're coming. You know, if, if you get voted in, I'm so glad you're coming. 
but we're leaving in the next year, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and actually this morning I went through the membership list from the spring of 2018, end of 2018, and we had 50 people leave our church in that mm-hmm. time period. And so, and it was just no one mad, fortunately, but it was, and, and it was all good send-offs. I mean, it was difficult because every month that year we were having another goodbye party and that became very depressing after a while. But the point is, is that with that, you know, of course their tithes and offerings went with them and the people that served in those ministries. So in the church, you know, the elders knew that was going to happen and they foresaw that. So, and then just, uh, you know, we're in a facility that uh, was built in the 1960s. So there's an older facility. There's a lot of repairs that need to be done. A lot of ministries were just trying to survive. Um, That was a big, uh, significant problem. Um, You know, there's these people would move and really wasn't just the last year that I was there over the past 10 years, uh, families had been moving away. And so, you know, when a family moves and they're overseeing a ministry, you know, if no one's there to take up that ministry, then it defaults to the church office. And so even when I came in, one of the things that was a problem was uh, we had a really godly, and she's still at the church, but she's not in the position anymore, but very godly um, secretary at the church. And she was basically running everything. And so then you even have that kind of aspect of, okay, are we even healthy in regard to our leadership and how we're functioning? And But it was it was mainly survival, just trying to get everything to keep running um, at the church. And so that's, uh, that's, yeah, that's the situation I came into. So let me ask a follow-up question. And obviously there are more important elements than facilities, but you mentioned the condition of the facilities. How, how important would you say that is in a revitalization situation? Or well, how important it was it for you? Maybe it's a better way to ask yeah. it. How important was that in your situation? It definitely isn't the most important thing because the more some, you know, most important thing in ministry are people because people, you know, are ministry. So, but you know, places to gather are where people are. So that, you know, to have a facility that functions well, that smells good, that, you know, it doesn't repulse people. So, you know, for instance, one example is our lobby uh, was small. It was, uh, it was, um, had tile. So it was so loud that people couldn't talk in fellowship. There was Part, half of what our is now our lobby, half of that was, there was a room and that was for our nursery. It had no windows. We affectionately called it a dungeon. Um, it smelled. So if you want, you know, if you want to put your baby in something, so, and then there was carpet that had never been replaced and throughout the facilities, the walls. So yeah, our, an entire, our, all of our facilities needed to be painted and new carpet and all that. So so it, it's very significant because, you know, a family comes and they want to put their baby in a nursery and, you know, they can't even see because the lights are dim and it smells. It just, it's not a great uh, welcoming uh, facility. And so it definitely was significant to be able to um, revitalize even the facilities. So, yeah. so, so the issues you mentioned, people leaving uh, the facilities, uh, the, the, dearth of leadership because of people leaving. How did you address those? Where, where did you start? <laughs> How'd you know where to start? Well, you know, when you candidate, uh, and you, you've done that a couple of times, you come in, they ask you a lot of questions. Usually one of the questions that's asked, and this was asked by the elders, but also other people in the church when I went to their homes and was interviewed. And that is, how do you, how do you grow a church? How do you revitalize a church? And 
Um, and I don't think our elders were looking for this, but many times other people are thinking like, what is the program? Like, what is the, like, what's the magic thing you're going to do? You know, what are you going to do that other people, you know, if we had another candidate, you know, what, what would he say? And I think in the end, uh, so my answer was this, my answer was, you know, the first thing is to pray, you know, it's not by my, not by power, but by my spirit says the Lord. And so that's what I told them. And honestly, some of that is just practically, I'm going, I can't do this, <laughs> but even spiritually, I know that I can't do this. And so I, it's not possible for one man to come into a church and actually revitalize it and not just financially or updating facilities, but spiritually, I can't do that. And so I told the elders and I told the church that we need to pray. We all need to pray. One of the verses that I claimed and I thought a lot about uh, and told some people about was Colossians 4.2, which says that we're to be steadfast in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And so from that one, I, I kind of had two parts. One is pray that God will do, you know, these things, these list of requests, but also be thankful for what God has given us. And so sometimes when you pray, it can even sometimes be discontent. You know, I, I'm discontent. God, please do this. But actually, I, I need to be thankful for the people who are here and what God has done in the past and what God has provided for us. And for that, we have a nursery, even if it smells and it's dark, you know. And so, you know, let's be thankful for that and pray. And one of the things I did when I came is I, I gave a list of 12 requests that I would like our church to pray for. So we put it in the church bulletin. I preached a sermon on Colossians 1, 9 through, I think it's 13. Um, and, uh, and I preached on prayer and said, I would like us for this first year to pray that God would allow us to do these things. So, um, and, and what was neat, what was exciting was to see God then provide over that first year, but even beyond that, God to provide for those needs. So that was, that was the first thing I said. And then there was, you know, the second was, that we need to, to become healthy and to stay healthy. And so um, and there, there's a list of that as well, of things that we talked about with that. But, you know, I think first of all with that is to trust the word of God. And so I told our church here that if I came, I'm going to preach expositionally and I'm just going to trust God will work. Um, and, um, and so, and then, and all I'm, gonna do before the lord is be faithful as a shepherd and mm -hmm. to preach the word and care for souls and and trust god will do um, the rest and i would say another aspect of it was and i said this to the elders when i came and that was i want to appreciate pastor roger and the older folk who are here even as new people come in uh, you know sometimes you can as a i guess young i mean they consider me young. I'm 43, but young guy coming in, um, you can have a negative view of some people because of traditions and things like that. And, and, but I'm, I, I want to, and I am very thankful for the years of work that they put into this church and their faithfulness. And so really, um, expressing that. So. I'm tempted to go down a rabbit trail, but I'm going to resist the temptation, but I'm going to bring it up. The fact that you have in your church, the longtime preceding pastor is very unusual. And I hear st horror stories about that. And 
you know, I've a church where we were in South Carolina, the founding yeah. pastor was a member of the church while we were there and it worked. And there are probably some, uh, some important factors in that. So I, I'm, again, I'm tempted, but I'm going to stay on, on topic here. Maybe another time I might want to circle back and, and talk to you about that. Cause that's, it can happen. It can work, mm -hmm. you know, and that's a blessing. That's a great blessing for you that it has worked that the previous pastor is still there. So, well, let me just comment on it because okay. it actually has been a blessing. Um, so he, again, he's still an elder here. I would say how you worked with that former pastor um, definitely was an example to me. And so mm. that, you know, seeing someone else do that in a healthy mm. way, I did have a lot of people warn me about coming into a situation like this. Right. Uh, but I would say this, I was not threatened by him. In other words, he had a demeanor that was very humble and um, supportive, but also I, I didn't need to have my ego lifted up. I didn't need to be the pastor, you know, I, he was, I had, you know, one of the things that they asked me when I came in was, you know, what would you say to someone? The elders asked me this, what would you say to someone who said, pastor Roger is our pastor, not you. And I said, uh, I would say that's okay because mm -hmm. he has been your pastor for 40 years. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's, and I want him to still be your pastor. And so mm -hmm. So wow. that's been a great relationship. I love being able to, to pray with him and uh, get counsel from him. So, yeah. Great. That's excellent. Did you, uh, let me say this too. Uh, what came to my mind as you were talking about praying, but also surveying the situation is Nehemiah. I was mm -hmm. just reading Nehemiah recently and just how he <laughs> surveyed, you know, the torn down walls, developed a plan, but all through it, all through the whole book, he was praying. And that's so important. So that was really good. Mm -hmm. Did you have a long range plan or when did the one come into view? Yes. Uh, I had a three to five year plan when I came and now, now I have, you know, two, six and 10 year plans. So when I came, my plan just related to frankly survival and then becoming healthy. So my, you know, my first year plan was to not really change too many things to try to get acquainted with the people to seek to love the people. Now, after so many people, um, as so many people kept leaving, you, you have to change some things because by nature, it's changing. Um, and so, and then just for myself personally, I, uh, I wanted after, you know, three years to be able to have this many deacons. And so I had certain goals for myself to say, God, and, and some of that was praying that God provide, like God, please provide this many deacons. And, and, and we would. I prayed that God would provide for us um, a music um, leader at our church and someone to be able to do that. And so there were things like that. Um, and so there were goals related more towards uh, some ministry things we wanted to do, like a children's ministry and our teen ministry and our music ministry. I mean, when I came, there wasn't a lot really happening. So there were goals of starting. But I would say this, one of the things that I chose to do when I came was to type up a philosophy of ministry, particularly for music, for youth, and then even just for the ministry in general. And that way we could lead with, you know, even if we didn't have the what yet, you know, we didn't have a youth program or we didn't have whatever it was, or we didn't have the music program we wanted. We had a why, we had a philosophy, and we could pray that God would provide the what of the why if that makes any sense and so so that was there were some goals with that and so my first year was saying what's our philosophy and then and pray god will provide 
someone to our people to be able to give us what we believe God wants for our church. So with, with your burden, your ideas, your plans, how did you interact with the existing leadership in the church? So there, and you can even describe that, how many elders there were, there were when you came and just what, mm-hmm. what's your interaction with them looked like with, with your ideas? Uh, so when I came, there were five elders, well, including myself. So four elders, then I came. Uh, and then there were, well, when I came there, I think there were four or five deacons, but then, you know, two, three, I think left in the first year. So I was left with two deacons when I, after a year. So, um, so, and then our church secretary, she was running a lot of the, the ministries that were taking place at the church. She, she, I shouldn't say she's running them. She was overseeing and helping uh, connect everything. So when I first came in, one of the first things I asked of our elders was for us to be discipling um, men in the church. And, um, and, you know, over the past few years, uh, that had declined. And so one of the ways we did that is we had some young men who became interns at our church who are studying for ministry. And so we had them come in to our church to help with the ministries and then our elders discipled them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that was one aspect of it. Another aspect as for the elders was uh, these men are all godly men. They, they have a biblical philosophy of ministry in their, in their mind, but they didn't have really the vision at that point to carry it out. So some of mm-hmm. it for them was reviewing what does the scriptures tell us to do? And then to pray and to, to discuss, like, how should we do that within the church? You know, yeah. so these men have been encouraging to me, have been uh, kept, kept me accountable. Um, I, I really appreciate we have an elder led ministry. I appreciate that in one aspect. And that is I'm I'm well, again, considered young by some. And so that means I'm a man under authority. And we all are because we're all under God, but even with the elders. And that's been so helpful to me because there's been times where I've messed up and done things and just to be able to go to them and just say, hey, this is something I probably shouldn't have done it this way. Or Mm -hmm. or maybe I wasn't the kindest to this person and I've apologized or whatever it is. And uh, or even just saying, hey, I'm struggling with this today. You know, would Mm -hmm. you guys pray for me? So Mm -hmm. um, Mm. I don't know if that's uh, I think I might have gone on a couple of rabbit trails there myself, but (laughs) that's good. No, that's very helpful. Um, you, you mentioned a couple along the way, but, uh, maybe you want to, 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 um, mention those again and, and add some others. What, what are some of the ways God has blessed this new beginning for your church? Well, I think that the number one way is God answered our prayer requests, many of them, hmm. if not all of them. And, you know, I, I print, printed out the prayer requests here so I could remember what they were. And, uh, you know, number one was souls to come to Christ. And in the first year, we had a lady come named Vicki, and one of her coworkers had led her to the Lord. And so she wasn't saved at our church, but she had, you know, literally like a few, like maybe two weeks before that came to Christ. Hmm. And she came, just drove by, saw our church, walked in, sat down, hmm. and, um, and she, um, wanted to be baptized. And mm-hmm. so we baptized her, discipled her. And so right there, it was like, wow, someone came to Christ. We were able to baptize, yep. you know, praise God, you know? And so those kind of things happened. Um, and, uh, and then some of the other requests, one of the requests we had was, 
that the Lord would provide the finances for us to be able to fix up our facilities. Mm-hmm. And, and so that happened, you know, that the end of 2018 in December, we had one of the biggest giving Decembers we've ever had at the church. Wow. So we went from going into the red to actually going in the black and, mm-hmm. Um, and then even since then, the Lord has provided abundantly financially for us. You know, it's the pandemic hit and, you know, then we're thinking, oh, okay, we're, we've been doing well financially. What's going to happen now? And actually it increased during that time. So, and that's all God's kindness to us. And yep. there's nothing that we did to gen that up and um, people sacrificially gave. I, I do think part of that is because they saw something to give to yes you know, right. i think because god was working in their hearts in other ways um uh, another one that was uh very special was we prayed that god would unify our church you yeah. know a unity of community and fellowship with one another it's one of the prayer requests and and actually i think probably one of the biggest blessings of the pandemic for us was it brought our church together and uh, we know people weren't together on politics or together on masks or no mask, but people came together for each other. And Hmm. there were different people had different positions, but um, I really uh, look back at that last, you know, year 2020 and actually think about just the blessing that people were to each other. Hmm. And, um, and another one, which is, I could go on and on, but another one that's really special is just people coming to our church. And um, we, our church is, probably runs about right now 130 when i came it ran about 130 so we're about the same that we were when i came but you know that first year we had about 50 we since then we've probably had another 20 to 30 leave our church um but then we've had a lot of people come in the last two months we've had 20 um adults come into membership in our church wow um so just god's been very kind so right now we're we have 100 membership and then we run about 130 to 150 depending on um the time of year so Mm. um and one of those uh, provisions god made uh, god gave to us was our what we call our discipleship minister of the sunday morning gathering Mm -hmm. so (laughs) it's kind of a long title music minister most people call him yeah. But we really wanted someone to disciple us on Sunday morning um, with music, scripture reading, and just lead that. And so um, so in 2018, you know, we had our service was really split into two parts. You had one part of our service for the music that is was very traditional music. And then you had another part, which was very contemporary music. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and I would talk to people and say, hey, do you know? different groups like you know the gettys and you know oh no i don't know who that group is so so there so there was some like that middle group of that middle genre of music that Mm -hmm. contemporary hymns or whatever just wasn't here and so we i I asked the elders let's pray that god would provide i I developed the philosophy of music um and then god did provide in in some ways to have some different people but not necessarily one person to lead it and Mm -hmm. then um and a year ago, really, I guess, uh, I've been September of 2020, I asked the elders, would we just pray that God would provide a person to come, which is a big thing in California, because to have some, we can't, we can't, we didn't have money to hire someone. I mean, right. basically we had like a budget of, you know, $35,000 to be able to hire someone, you know, mm-hmm. that, and it costs, you know, 1400 square foot house out here, it costs about 600 to 800,000 dollars you know wow. 
And so, uh, but then in January of 2021, uh, there was a guy named Jorge Samaniego and he saw um, uh, something I posted up about our philosophy of music ministry and um, God had just led him on a journey from very contemporary Christian music church to a traditional type of congregational led church. Um, and um, anyways, and so God provided him to our church in February of this past year. And so, mm. yeah, just like things like that, where you're going impossible, couldn't have happened. And, and it's nothing that I've done or, you know, even our elders have done, just God's been kind to us. So, you know. I'm glad you shared that about uh, Jorge. And when we were there, um, I observed his exceptional musical ability, which helps a lot. Right. Mm -hmm. But, but just his shepherd's heart that uh, was very evident. And uh, I'll put a little plug here. Um, I have an interview with Kevin Inafuku on that topic uh, in my podcasts, uh, intentional musical worship, which he really uh, expounds on that, that idea. So somebody might want to listen to that, but what I saw there where you are is that that's what was happening. It's more than just song leading or even more than worship leading it's shepherding and so uh, that's that's uh, it was a huge blessing and what a great answer to prayer for you and and provision yeah, yeah. that's fantastic um i know you have to be careful what you share uh, publicly so i i certainly want to honor that but can you identify a s- some negatives and and even maybe one, if there's one thing that you would say was the hardest um, difficulty that you faced or negative factor that you had to overcome and how you address that? Hmm. Uh, well, there's, I think that when you come into a time of revitalization, you are going to need to expect there's going to be a lot of problems. I mean, you're, you're trying to do something for the Lord. And so Satan's going to come against you. And so I think that there's, you know, there's a lot of different attacks from Satan from many different angles. Hmm. Um, Sometimes it was discouragement of Hmm. this is impossible. This is never going to actually happen. Hmm. Um, And and, and not just you thinking that, but sometimes you hear people saying that. I think probably one of the most discouraging um, things in the past three years has been the mindset of many in American Christianity and even in my own mind of, I need to go to a place that is uh, more conservative. I need to go to a place that um, can offer me more, you know, material benefits. And so, mm. you know, California, a lot of people even maybe listening to this, you know, they might think of California and they might think, oh, California, what a terrible place. <laughs> well, there's a lot of Christians in California that think the same thing. And, and, so, and it's a mindset that thinks about this world and thinks about, you know, the material possessions, and it's not bad to provide for your family mm. and all those kind of things. But a lot of people think of places like California and especially Los Angeles, which were right outside of Los Angeles, mm. or like a bedroom community for it. And they think very negatively of it. So therefore people complain a lot. They talk about it. Even mm. for myself, I think back, you know, we were living in South Carolina in a, in a nice house. It was a brand new house we bought. Now mm. we're living in this, you know, not so nice house as that one. And so, uh, but I think that's, you know, constantly, especially that first year hearing as people were leaving, but constantly hearing even from people who were here um, that were staying, just, I can't wait till we move, or can you believe what Governor Newsom has done and all that. And so one of the things actually I put on the prayer request was 
the last uh, request I put on there was a hope for heaven that's greater than our economic or political hopes. Mm, and, and really not, didn't want to beat people up with it, but really putting it before the church on a regular basis. Like we are in the mission field. So, you know, Paul went to cities like Los Angeles, you know, he went to these larger cities that were pagan. And right. so this actually is a blessing to be in a place like this and, and constantly reminding myself of that. And one of the funny things I would tell people when I first came is people would hear you move, even people who are unbelievers would hear that we moved from South Carolina and they'd say, oh, I can't believe, why would you come out here? Why would you come to, and I would tell people, well, I'm actually investing. I'm investing out here. I, I'm investing, uh, the next place we're going to live is is uh, going to be tax-free and uh, I got a house waiting for me, and all my family that um, is going to be there. So I'm just so excited about, about going there. And so I'm investing for that. And they'd say, oh, wow, where's that? It's heaven. It's heaven. And so I'm looking forward to, to that. And so, uh, but really for my wife and for myself, just constantly reminding ourselves that that is what we're living for. It's for the next life. It's not for this life. It's for the Lord. Mm. And, uh, but uh, yeah, that'd probably be the, uh, there's a lot of different things that we, you know, obviously everyone suffers with, but that was probably mm. the most significant for us. And, and probably frankly still is because that mindset hasn't gone away from American Christianity. <laughs> and, uh, but I would say this, our church, that is not something I hear regularly from our church anymore. And so I, I really appreciate that. And it's not because they're hiding it from me. It's because genuinely, I think people have got on board with, you know, we are here and we're here for the gospel. So, so, so the greatest challenge and struggle really is an internal one, your own heart mm-hmm. and, and uh, view of, of life and ministry. That's, that's excellent. That's very helpful. If, um, if a guy, let's say he's coming out of seminary, or maybe he is an assistant pastor somewhere, and uh, he, he catches this revitalization bug a little bit and is thinking about it, getting excited about it, um, what advice would you have for him? What would you tell him? I would say first and foremost, uh, you know, if you're in a ministry and you're an assistant pastor, be faithful where you are. So don't just be looking forward just to something and, and think, I can't wait till this happens. Or, you know, if, if, if God leads you to that next step, then go ahead and take the step of faith. But if you're there and you're just thinking about it, definitely remain faithful where you're at. Um, and um, ask, I think if you're in that position, ask a lot of questions while you can. <laughs> So I think yeah. one of the things I experienced as I, as I left Calvary is, you know, you're making decisions and some very practical decisions. And I'm thinking now, how did they do this? Like, I never did this. Like I never did the finances at, at Calvary. You know, mm-hmm. I should have asked that pastor that did the finances more questions or, <laughs> or even for you. Now you gave me a lot of opportunities out there. And so that was a blessing. Um, and I would say that take up, take the opportunities mm-hmm. you can uh, mm-hmm. grow in, in your ability to teach the word. But um but ask a lot of questions. Ask, why do we do this? Ask, how do I do this? And, mm-hmm. um, and so, and then I think the other one is, is va- value revitalization. I think that church planting is something that a lot of young guys, um, you know, are excited about and many guys want to do. In fact, most young men that are in seminary or college, and I ask them, you know, what do you want to do? Oh, I'd love to do church planting, maybe in the West, mm-hmm. which is great. But if you did church plant in our city, what kind of facility would you be able to get? You know, mm. 
It's like I, yesterday I was talking to someone that has a two bedroom condo. They're going to rent that condo for $2,300 a month. Mm. And it's not including utilities. So like if that's how much a condo costs, think about what it costs to rent a facility that's going to fit, you know, 200 people. And so, and, and, and actually I think about it this way, there's, you know, you have to have revitalizations in order to have church planting. Like they have to go together because if you don't have churches that are established and are healthy, you can't have churches that are being planted out of right. that. Right. And so um, I was, I had some statistics I, I looked up and um, one, one is from 2019 and it says, uh, this is from Religion News Service. So May 26, 2021 is when it came out. So in 2019, 4,500 churches closed in the United States, and only 3,000 churches were planted. Hmm. So, so new churches, and you know, these are these are Protestant, so it's pretty broad. But Protestant churches, mm-hmm. 3,000 churches were planted, but 4,500 closed. So, hmm. you know, that what knows. would it have been like if we could have revitalized some of those? And that's hmm. that's a conservative number. There's actually some other ones. Lifeway has another one that's. Um, a lot more drastic. They say that 75 to 150 congregations close per week in America. Mm. So I guess my thought on it is, you know, I'm in California and I hear all the time about a church that's, you know, got 20 members and they have an auditorium that's paid off and they have a facility that's paid off and, uh, but they're dying and they're going to probably close down. Mm. And so, you know, what would it be like if, there were young seminary men that said, I would love to go to a church and that already has a facility paid for and revitalize it. Mm. And um, it, it's, it's not, maybe not as exciting in the first year or two as church planting, mm. but I think after the, after year three and four, it is. So mm. I, I view it like this, you know, in church planting your you know, first two or three years, kind of like a honeymoon. Mm. I've not done it, but I have a brother who has, so it's like, you have that. And then you know, four year four and five, it's kind of like reality, you know, of, okay, who are we actually in revitalization? It's kind of like the first three years is in a good way, but kind of like a nightmare, you know, it's very difficult. And then year four and five, you get to see the fruit of that. So sometimes it takes longer than that. But my point is, is that, um, yeah, I, I would really encourage young men to, Hmm. uh, to look at, look at some churches that need revitalization and try to partner with them in that. So are there any particular resources that have been helpful to you, either books or, you know, ministries or conferences or anything that especially has helped you with what you're doing right now? Uh, there's a couple. I, this past summer, I went with our interns. I went through a book by Al Mohler, and I think it's called A Roadmap to Revitalization. It's a, a little book. It's very helpful. Um, and so that's definitely been a resource. Uh, there's a lot of resources on church planning. I haven't really found a lot on revitalization. Um, I think some of the resources are talking to men who have been a part of it and done it. Um, so I think that's, and that's, I've, I've done that a little bit. There's been some men that I've known that have been a part of it and done that. And so uh, there's a, a gentleman who's um, at Southern Seminary. He, he used to teach there. I don't know if he does anymore, but I talked to him. I can't remember his name now, but that was when I came out here, I talked to him and asked him for some advice. So, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the other thing is, is it's consider the scripture, what the scripture says about revitalization. 
Mm. Uh, one of the one of the books that I read this summer, and I'm not remembering the title of it, but it it, it walked through this and basically said, you know, you think about Revelation, the, the seven churches um, in Revelation, and mm. the Holy Spirit was calling them to be revitalized. You know, the Church of Ephesus, he was saying, you know, you've 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 left your first love, and he's saying, like, consider what it was like when you were mm. when you were a healthy church, and you need to go back to that. And and that was interesting. They were really expositing those churches the text of and revelation of those churches and and then the other one that they talked about was an acts where you know paul planted these churches and then i think it's acts 15 he goes back out and he actually goes and revitalizes them again you know some of them needed someone to come in and help um breathe some life into them and help them become healthy and that's what paul did so i I think see it as actually a biblical mandate as well um and and look for even the pattern of the scripture of how, how do you revitalize a church? Okay. I think I have maybe one more question, maybe two. Um, (laughs) This one's a little more personal and you can handle it however you want Mm -hmm. to, but this is, this can be hard on our wives Mm -hmm. and uh, in our families, but I'm just going to focus on, on wives for a minute here. So how have you guys survived this? How has your marriage survived Mm -hmm. this? How have you navigated this as a couple? First, uh, we pray every night together before we go to bed. And uh, so many times the prayers are for the church, for different people in the church, hmm. uh, for, for our children. And uh, that has been a stabilizing uh, part of our life is that every night, no matter what, we're going to pray. And so we don't, and in, unless I'm, you know, in a hotel somewhere at a conference, mm-hmm. that doesn't, doesn't change. We always do that. Hmm. We've done it for uh, the past couple of years, but since we've been here. Um, and I, I think one aspect that's been a blessing to us of being here is I'm right next to the church property. And so I'm living life with the church, but also with my family here. And so they, you know, the, the interns that live at the church here, they're also with my family. Um, and so I'm living life, uh, you know, it's not, it's not like I, I drive a mile away or two miles to my house. Like we're all here together. Um, and so I think also um, getting away with my family, it's California. So there's a lot of places to go. And for us, we'd like to go to the beach. And so that first year I would have what we call beach Mondays with our kids. And we would go to the beach because our kids are, are homeschooled. So we'd go to the beach and, and it would be, there's something about going to the ocean <laughs> that kind of washes away. So, I mean, there's some big problem that you're trying to deal with, you know, or, you know, people, this family's leaving or we don't know what's going to happen with this ministry or whatever it is. And you go to the beach and you just have fun playing in the sand with your kids. And uh, so that's definitely a big aspect to it. And uh, I think this is one we haven't been very good at, but um, not talking about problems um, unless we're going to pray about the problems. Hmm. Sometimes, Hmm. you know, you can have, you know, Oh, wow. There was hardly anyone here this past Sunday, you know, Hmm. or, this family is leaving. That's really depressing. And so then you talk about that and then it's, you know, but it's more of kind of complaining and worrying instead of actually trusting the Lord. So Mm. we have, and we keep recommitting to this because I would say like, we'll do it. And we're like, Oh, we haven't kept to that, (laughs) but we uh, have committed that if we're going to talk about something and it's a problem, or if it's something that is a concern for us in the church that make sure we're talking about it so we can pray about it and not just talk to um, complain. And I would say this happened at Calvary as well. And that is 
when I was with you is that, that I don't talk to my wife about personal problems mm-hmm. or, or I should say it's personal uh, people's personal problems. So if I'm counseling someone or I'm in an elders meeting, I'm not going back and saying, okay, here's the 20 things we talked about in the elders meeting. I really believe that the problems we talk about in personal counseling or in elders meetings are uh, God has given me the grace to deal with that, but not her to deal with that. And so they're not some things I should go back and just dump upon her. And so um, I think that's something that I have found a blessing to her is not putting all that, you know, I'm the pastor. God's given me the grace to shepherd the church. She's not the pastor. God has not given her the grace to shepherd the church. And not that she can't serve and minister, but she is, um, she doesn't need to have all that dumped on her. So those are helpful ideas for any pastor. Um, so thank you for sharing those. Is there anything else, Ben, that uh, we haven't talked about that you think would be helpful in this area of revitalization or just from your experience? Uh, no, I think the biggest one is, uh, is the last thing I was I would say is uh, to just trust God. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had an elders meeting last night. We were talking about some things, just talking about how God has provided and how good he is and how kind he has been to our church, you know three and a half years later hmm. or, and and as we were just talking about what what's happened over the past three years and what we realized is we haven't devised all this we haven't hmm. we haven't um manipulated it to come about god right. just did it like he was kind and you know his his word works and um that's exciting to hear how god's working in the hearts of people and uh and god just is kind to us and i, I think for me, it's humbling because you go, I don't, I didn't deserve this, you know, and there's a lot of other people you talk to and they're struggling in their ministries and they're not right. maybe having this happen. And so it's like, what's wrong with me? Well, it's not, there's nothing necessarily wrong with you. And sometimes God works quickly and then yep. slowly. We always know he's working. We always know he's kind. Um, and, but the point is, is that I just trust the Lord. And, and I think have hope for the future for the church, even if it doesn't seem like there is hope. I can remember having a conversation with one of my interns and this was, um, I guess about a year ago and, you know, it's still kind of in the shutdown You're, you know, we're, um, just trying to keep some things together. And it was one of those dark days where you're like, these people are leaving now, these people are leaving. What's the future going to be like? And, and I mean, uh, just having a conversation with him saying, it's going to be good. Like, it's going to be a great 2021. It's going to be so great. It's going to be really good. And it's like, uh, really? And, and honestly, I have those questions too, but I can't focus on those negative things. I have to keep my eyes to the future, to what Christ can do um, and, and trust that he can work in that way. He can show his kindness in that way. And if he does, then I praise him. If he doesn't, I still praise him, but, um, but I, I still have that hope that he will work in that way. So. That's a perfect way to, to uh, leave this. So that, those are very helpful thoughts, Ben. Thank you. Uh, ben also um, has a ministry and materials for children's ministries. And Ben, I'm going to ask you to just give a word about that, if you would. So tell us about Truth Trackers. Yes, Truth Trackers is a ministry that partners with families to be able to disciple um, their children. And it's a ministry for churches. I mean, there's a lot of individuals that use it for their families apart from the church, but uh, we, God has really been kind to us this year to grow. Um, hundreds of churches have come on this year 
Um, and so that's a blessing. But I would say that program has been a blessing for our church. We've had so many families who have desired to disciple their kids, put their kids in our program, and then see really our philosophy of ministry through that, through Two Trackers. And uh, so Two Trackers um, is a scripture memory program that is a catechism based where there's a question asked and the answer is a Bible verse. So, you know, like, um, is, um, is Jesus Christ God? And the answer is John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. And so, and it's um, doctrinal based. We teach doctrine and, uh, and then we also have um, um, significant element of it where it's evangelism. We want to reach kids for Christ. And so for our church, we, we right now in our, in our program, we have about 65 kids. So you think about a church that has, you know, 130 people attending hundred membership, 65 kids, a lot of kids. And, and we have a number of them that they're, um, I mean, we're in the Los Angeles area, right? So this is people would think, oh, people don't want to have their kids go to a program like that. We have them dropping their kids off and, um, and these they're, you know, Catholic or whatever, and they want their kids to have moral teaching. So they bring them to a program like that and we give them the gospel. And then it's a great avenue to be able to go in their home and talk to them about Christ. And um, so it's been a big blessing for our church. I guess I didn't mention that here, but um, having that program in the middle of the week for that. Um, and I know of a lot of other churches that are smaller churches some church plants that do the program partly because it's inexpensive but partly because it actually really is a significant help to be able to reach families in your community so um, yeah truetrackers.org is the website and uh, praise god for the blessing it's been to our church and to other churches so i highly recommend it check it out yeah thank you Ben. i always like to pray for uh, the pastors that listen yeah. and i'd like to end with prayer and and pray for you as well so let me do that Thank you. Father, what a joy to um, hear and to have seen uh, how your good hand on Ben and his family and uh, Lighthouse Bible Church there in Simi Valley uh, has just pointed to you and seeing people discipled and the church growing in all the ways that it should. And so we thank you for that and uh, do pray for Ben and for his family that you would continue to strengthen them and Help them to endure and persevere with joy and to be faithful to where you've called them and give them fruit for their labor. I do pray for my pastor friends, and uh, some are maybe in situations right now where these thoughts can help them. So help them, I pray, to, to select and choose and adopt some of those ideas and put their trust in some of those promises. And then also some father who may at some day, some point be in uh, either themselves or helping to support a revitalization ministry. Uh, please enable them and burden them for that and provide for those needs. And uh, wherever they are, whatever they're doing today, I pray that you would encourage and strengthen and uh, pour grace into the lives of my pastor friends. And we will thank you and honor you. And one day we will all praise you together in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ben, very much, and uh, thanks to those who are listening to Shepherdology.